The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Cult for the Culture podcast are solely those of the individuals involved. The content presented is not a substitute for seeking or seeing a licensed mental health professional. Know what's up next, know what's up next. Healthy pleasure with it, Cult for the Culture. Better tune in, better tune in. Big sis, get him, big sis, get him. Cult for the Culture, Cult for the Culture, Cult hey y'all welcome to the cult for the culture podcast i'm your host tiana renee the culture's advocate on this show we interview individuals from different walks of life who are dedicated to being the change within the culture as it relates to various topics and their effects on the world of mental health today's show is about postpartum depression and i have the pleasure to speak with Miss Whitney Coble, who I went to grad school with at AMT. Um, she is a very skilled clinician based in Charlotte, North Carolina, who is also trauma certified. Those of you who listen know that I specialize in that as well. So I always have a special heart for that. Um, she is also in collaboration with Tiffany, who is her counterpart in this. They are gaining um, licensure or certification, if I'm not mistaken, in maternal mental health. Yeah, and they have lots of experiences working with women and children and adolescents who struggle with life, essentially. So um, I want to introduce Miss Whitney, who is going to tell us a little bit about her nonprofit, Raising Resilience, and the reason why I wanted them on the show today. Hey, Whitney, welcome to the podcast. Yes, How are you? Thank you for having us. We appreciate it because we love the podcast. Um so Raising Resilience, basically me and Tiffany started Raising Resilience essentially as a nonprofit. And so the nonprofit piece would be able to help at-risk women, especially women of color and especially African-American women. Because when you Google services for women, especially African-American women, there's really not a lot of resources for us and things that we experience it and how we experience it. So our interest became in maternal mental health because there's really a lack of resources for women. And then with us starting off as first-time clinicians back in 2015, we saw a lot of teenagers that would be in DSS care mm -hmm. and they would be separated from their baby. So that causes a lot of turmoil upon the family and upon um, that child. So we initially said we want to start a nonprofit to give housing to pregnant teenagers. Mm -hmm. But then once we got more involved, we saw all of the need the need here in Charlotte um, for women of color when it comes to maternal mental health. Um, so that's how we are bringing now into the, the private practice realm. So the nonprofit would be to give things to women in the community that they need mental health wise. And then our private practice will be able to give those therapy services to those women as well. So it's kind of merged together. Yeah. So, and yeah. To hear, and I know because I'm in the world too, so I know that yes. there are very limited resources when it comes yes. Typically to women of color, but it's mind blowing to me because for those of us who know the statistics, we're the ones who are more at risk of experiencing yes. certain things during pregnancy and labor and yes. postpartum and all this. So it's like you would think there would be more out there. And if not, y'all would come up here too, um, just because it's so needed. It is so needed and just from personal experiences with like people that I know and love who have had some very traumatic things that have happened to them and not being taken seriously. And shout out to y'all. Y'all are definitely my special shout out for today because one y'all are both women of color 
doing this work for women of color, that is so important. We know representation matters. Um, we know that there isn't a handbook for parenthood or motherhood or really not the case maybe. And people need resources and help to be able to navigate that. And the fact that we just expect that to be known. That's very true. Parent is unfair. So I just want to shout y'all out for doing that. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and you'll have some time at the end to plug all the wonderful stuff. Okay, cool. About that. Okay, so I always like to ask my guests because all about self care and taking care of ourselves. That's the reason I started this podcast. Um, so, what would you say is your favorite self care practice? Okay, so I've really got into mindfulness and like, so I'm not really like a meditation person. I haven't got there yet, but I'm into like different things like the Calm app. Um, It's another little app I use, Breathe, where you really focus on calming your body down. Like, I feel like a lot of times we're so wired to go, go, go. And I'm that type of person, like all day I'm on go. And when I sit down and take a break, I feel guilty about it. So I really take that time, especially since we've been in quarantine, but to really take that time and find a quiet place to literally like work each and every part of my body to shut it down and just focus on that one part of your body and have like a clean slate and to be able to focus. Because I'm a person, my mind runs constantly. So being able to shut that down is very hard for me. Um, And another thing for me, especially music, I think music is a wonderful coping skill um, when it's music you enjoy and music that can put you in this good feeling space. Mm -hmm. Music is so powerful on the brain anyway. So those are my two things, especially mindfulness and music. Those are really my two things. Yeah. So are you familiar with um, Sparks, the therapy model? Yes, yes. So I'm being trained in that now for people who are listening. It is a group-based therapy model for teens and adolescents who deal with chronic stressors. Yeah. Um, But a big part of it is the mindfulness. And when I, it's funny because (laughs) I'm being certified now. And when you're in the group and you're going through the stuff and you're teaching the kids and when me and my colleague practice together before we do the group, we're like, oh no, I need to use this. And we're pulling stuff out. And I'm doing a lot of stuff from the Sparks manual. So I'm like, look at this. I'm helping other people, but really helping myself. (laughs) You don't think about how much you, it would help. And at first I was like, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. Because I started using mindfulness when I started yoga. Okay. And um, it's this girl um, named Bethany, Bethany Louise on Instagram. And she's wonderful when it comes to yoga. And she incorporates that mindfulness in yoga. And I love it. Like, yoga is, like, my thing. Now, I can't do the moves as well, but it really helps me to calm down and focus on my center, like, my core. And it's so helpful. So, using, like, actually sitting down and using them is so helpful because we forget about them. You do. And it's like, Mm -hmm. people, this stuff every single day. Like, yeah, but when I get home, I'm just tired. I don't even want to do anything. That's true. But, yeah, I mean, it, it has definitely been helpful. And yoga with the poses and stuff, like, just the more you do it, the more comfortable your body will get with doing it. That's true. Uh, and that's a big part of why I want to go into private practice, too. And shout out to y'all for jumping out there and already doing that. But, like, you have so much more room. You do. The things that you want to do, because I believe in holistic mental health, not just exactly. therapy. Yeah, therapy is great, but there are other things, too, that can help that process in combination 
doing exactly. things. So I'm like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I love it, but I know everybody else doesn't love it. I know. And the body, like, I mean, my favorite book is The Body Keeps the Score. And that book really goes into how much our bodies hold on to the things we experience every day, like trauma, just things we experience daily. And a lot of times I'm sitting like this or I'm I'm slumped. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, I've become one. I'm like, put your shoulders down. Yes. (laughs) Or your jaw is clenched. Like, it's so many things that we hold in our body in that tightness and that tension. We don't think about it. And that's the reason for a lot of, like, the ways that we behave and we act and we don't think about it. We're just so comfortable with it. And this is why this is these conversations like this are reasons why I like doing the podcast because there are so many other things out there for us to do for ourselves Mm -hmm. and for our bodies. And I will say when I transitioned into the trauma world, it was so much, Mm -hmm. I feel like I learned so much more than what I already thought I knew in Mm -hmm. the field. And it's like, oh no, no, no. There's so much more that you need to add on. But just like having that knowledge and being able to say like, okay, my body really does care. Like super aware now of what my body does and when it doesn't feel right and when things are happening and I just feel like when people don't have the knowledge to be able to do that they just you can't do what you don't know I agree yeah I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one in the mindfulness and meditation and stuff yes that's my world now that's my world yes so the topic for today guys like I said earlier is around postpartum depression mm-hmm. um, I know that is a heavy topic and I know for some people they may not be in a space to be able to listen now so I will mm-hmm. just go ahead and give a trigger warning for that um, if you don't feel like you are in a place to be able to hear it and you need some time to come back later that's fine with me I would not take that personal um, but I did feel like it was a topic that we really needed to talk about and I know I have lots of friends and family members who recently like just had babies yes and before you know everything with COVID happened because I don't you know want everything to be about COVID but a lot of the things now are becoming more of an issue because of that um but even before COVID I wanted to do the postpartum episode because I know how severe it is and how detrimental it can be to someone's mental health and just as being a parent and trying to figure things out so it was really something that I wanted to talk about. And I know season one, I did the single, not single mom, um, strong black mother episode. Yes. And on that, we touched about, touched on um, postpartum depression a little mm-hmm. bit. Get like deep into it. And I was like, okay, I got to bring Whitney and Tiffany up here because I want to talk about this some more. But um, with COVID happening now and people just having babies, not being able to go to the hospital with more than one person, um, we're in the house now a yeah. lot more. I know at work, the first thing we talked about the first week we were out was abuse rates are going to go up. And we have That's to- true. Oh, Domestic God. violence and abuse rates, will uh, well, they're going up. They are going up because now, whereas there was a separation, there's not a separation. That's true. People are having to learn how to exist with one another. And we know a lot of times people either go to work or school to escape their home life. And now That's they don't true. have that. Um, so all of those reasons are why I wanted you guys to come on um so what is your experience with postpartum depression I know you guys have some experience with that um so I know um speaking for Tiffany because her daughter is two um we didn't know all this information like we were just like oh we we're therapists we do therapy work we work with kids so when Tiffany had her daughter um 
and then we took this maternal mental health training she was like wow I really can relate to some of these things that I'm seeing here and hers was more of the postpartum anxiety which I'll talk more about the different categories but hers was that anxiety like checking her baby's breathing like making sure she's sleeping making sure she's eating enough just having to be in control of those things and making sure those things are in order and just having that sense of control so when we get to that training and those things are standing out we're thinking if we're therapists and clinicians in this field and we don't even know it how are women who aren't in this field how is it impacting them how is it impacting our sisters our cousins our family members our moms so even the generations before us our grandparents when the information is not out there like you don't just see that information up so that's what really stood out to us when we were like hey like there's no clinicians that look like us that are doing this um when you google it it's women that don't look like us um even in a webinar i was in last week they had all these clinicians and none of them look like me none of them look like you like nobody on that panel was an african-american right no representation clinician yeah um and then i think another thing that really made us want to get into it and make it our niche was this week was black maternal mental health black maternal health week um and as black women we have um we die four times more likely when it comes to childbirth than any other race Mm -hmm. so we're dying and over 60 percent of those deaths are preventable um and they're preventable because in the medical field people aren't listening to us when we say we're in pain right we're more susceptible to pain um and i think that trauma within that imagine being in pain and you're giving birth and you're telling someone i feel like i'm bleeding i'm hemorrhaging and no one's listening to you um and i think another thing the big story of this girl named kira with the show the resident they made an episode after her Mm -hmm. um and she passed away last year um and her husband said i felt like i couldn't say nothing because i didn't want to be an angry black man but when you think about her hemorrhaging and them finally doing surgery on her and she's dead so you think about that trauma of her sons think about the trauma of her husband and how that impacts that family and how it impacts other black women who are giving birth and are scared that they're not gonna come home, that they're gonna pass away. So I think that's the really big thing is our mortality rate and our infant mortality rate is so high and we're not, we don't have the resources for it. I took a um, training, I wanna say it was the end of last year. It was Mm -hmm. just a one day thing, a diversity training. Yes. And it was doing all, like they gave us all the stats for everything. when they got to like maternal death and the numbers like I, by the time I left the training I was so angry mm-hmm. like I don't understand why there's some notion in people's head that we can handle pain better or that like it's fine it's nothing really wrong with us we're just complaining like I've had situations with me when I've gone to the doctor and I'm like no I'm trying to tell you this is what's happening and I agree. seriously so it it's mind-blowing to me to see, because we know it we exactly know it disparities exist we know that but at the same time like hearing it and seeing the research and the data and it's like what other chance do we have and what else needs to be done on our end mm-hmm. taken seriously which is sounds backwards because it, it does have to be that way I agree like I remember going to the gynecologist when I was in college maybe and I was telling her like I was having a pain on my side and she was like it's it's fine and I'm thinking like you didn't ask me how 
how severe the pain was. You didn't ask me how frequent it was. And me feeling just like, okay, like, am I really overreacting or is my side really hurting me? Mm -hmm. Like, and I remember just feeling like I got to change doctors because I'm like, what if it was something more serious? So the unfortunate part, you shouldn't have to advocate so hard for yourself in the world. Like it, it doesn't make sense. But as a black woman or a woman of color, because we know it's not just us, like there are other races of black and brown people who are at the same rates of as us and it's like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter I think the thing that stood out to me it was like from early teens up mm-hmm. until like 40 the death rate was the same across and I was like it, like it doesn't even matter scary. there's so much difference in that age that mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me but yeah so I mean what are your thoughts on the pressure that women feel after having a baby that kind of leads because I think it's a huge transition like it's a huge transition from being yourself like your individual self going through your pregnancy and then a lot of times we don't talk about that fourth trimester that's postpartum yeah and so if you're a first-time mom or even if this is your second or third child with postpartum you just don't know what to expect like that pressure to I can do it I'm okay um, this is just baby blues. Like a lot of times, um, moms that we work with or even fathers, like baby blues should only last from those first two weeks when you have your child. And that's just a little bit of sadness. That's those hormones shifting. That's mm-hmm. that first two weeks. But a lot of moms don't know how to distinguish versus this is just normal. And, or is this baby blues or okay, like now this is going into postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. Um, and a lot of times they don't know it this doesn't have to be depression like the term is perinatal mood and anxiety disorder so that's your anxiety that's your OCD that's your PTSD that's your psychosis where you're having intrusive thoughts like you're having thoughts of harming yourself or your baby Mm -hmm. and you're sitting here contemplating like why am I having these thoughts Um, we went to a training and the lady said she constantly had thoughts of making a mistake and hitting her baby's head on the counter. And she was like, it just kept replaying through her head. Like, I'm gonna make a mistake when I'm in my kitchen and hit my baby's head. And she was like, how do I tell people that? Like, people are gonna think something's wrong with me. Like, if I tell them, I feel like I'm gonna hit my baby's head or I I can't sleep at night because I'm scared my baby is gonna stop breathing. Um, And also the women who struggle with infertility and miscarriages, Mm -hmm. those women are coming home with no baby and they're still having these same postpartum um, symptoms of depression. And that's hard when you're trying to keep it together because you don't want to seem ungrateful because you just had a baby. Um, And it's hard because you just don't want to feel like I'm not not being grateful for what I'm giving. And then people don't understand. Like, they just don't understand what those symptoms look like. And it can be physical symptoms, not just those emotional needs. Right, because people a lot of the times associate depression with emotional things and I talked about this in the first episode that I did this season about like I I've been depressed or sad Mm -hmm. or you know experienced those feelings before but like to be in a full-blown like no this is depression and should just see like how it affects your body how tired and fatigued you feel and just the Mm -hmm. desire to do nothing and like just being perfectly okay and whatever yes. you're doing, however you feel, 
and it's like oh this is what people mean when they say like I literally have to pull myself out of the bed because that's true my body does not want to move my body has decided we're going to stay here exactly I think that's like a really good point for people and I try to talk about it as much as I can on the show of like however we feel manifest in our bodies that's true it does and there's nothing we can do to change that that's how our body works but there are ways that we can learn to become more cognizant and aware of it so we know how to deal with it it's very true and I think for African Americans in general I was looking at a study and especially with um perinatal mood and anxiety disorders PMADS Mm -hmm. they say we're as African Americans we describe our symptoms more in physical symptoms than emotional symptoms and so imagine coming in somewhere and you're telling them I'm having stomach aches Mm -hmm. I feel fatigued um I'm having headaches and they're like oh well you just need this Mm -hmm. when it's really depression it's anxiety like anxiety is tied so much to your stomach yeah Um, and myself like for weeks I had like a bad like weird feeling in my stomach it was anxiety and I thought it was like something digestive but I would have never knew that you know say like you just don't know these things like how how it ties into each other so describing those symptoms and then not getting help for it and it still continues especially being a new mom just you feel isolated you feel paralyzed like what do I do at this point I don't have a support nobody's listening to me and it's so unfortunate and I know so like for women of color what do the rights look like for people that look like us versus (laughs) the general population so yeah our we're 60 percent like so Versus the other races, when I was doing my research, um, me and Tiffany were saying we have way higher rates of um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, but we're least likely to get um, help for it. So over 60% of African-American women and women of color are experiencing these symptoms two weeks out past they're having their babies and don't get help for it. And you can be diagnosed with um, postpartum depression all the way up until your child is a year old. So imagine it. Imagine you delivering your baby, coming home, everything's fine, and then your baby's four months, and you're starting to feel these symptoms. Yeah. Or you're having intrusive thoughts. Or you're having all these different things going on, and you don't know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, we have higher rates, but we get less access to care. Right, right because of those healthcare disparities and yeah things. and also those risk factors that's another thing like we have higher risk factors mm-hmm. um and those socioeconomic um factors the environmental factors financial strain mm-hmm. um relationship issues can play so much into those symptoms that you see um in that postpartum period and i didn't even know that it could last up to a year like mm-hmm. we but it makes sense because mm-hmm. You think about you're pregnant for a whole nine, really ten months. Yes. Pregnant. And then you have your baby. And then now it's like your body itself needs time to reset and get back to normal from being shifted and organs being in different places. Exactly. The amount of hormones in your body. And so like your body is transitioning. And we know anytime a transition comes, that mm-hmm. can come with other things. So it makes exactly. sense. But to hear like a whole year out. Exactly. So just think about that how many women have felt symptoms four months, five months, six months, seven months, eight months, and that shift in their personality and their mood and how they interact with others and how that impacts their parenting, mm-hmm. you know, and not knowing who to reach out to because you don't know. Don't. 
and you don't want to feel like less of a parent or like you can't do it or you're incapable of being able to be emotionally stable for your like there's so many exactly bitter and that's why I asked about how you felt about the pressure because I can imagine that those things as well which you said like relationship things and uh, such as that but I can imagine that, that makes it so much more difficult yeah and that pressure of I'm having to go see a therapist and my baby is two months old like what's wrong with me mm-hmm. or that pressure of I gotta keep it together because if I don't keep it together there's no one else here with me Yeah. Like, or being that single mom and it's just you like if I can't keep it together how can I be an example for anyone else like I just think it's so much pressure to uh, a lot of moms tell us I was just trying to keep it together yeah. like I was just trying to seem like everything was okay but it is okay for things not to be okay like that's what I always tell my moms it's oh like I can help you more if you say hey things just ain't okay versus you being like no I'm good I'm okay or even that six month checkup when you do your postpartum screener just going through it and just checking no when you're literally sitting there about to cry or you're having these thoughts of I want to harm myself I don't want to be here or you're not sleeping like you're sleep deprived but you don't want to say nothing because it's that pressure of I gotta hold it together or they're gonna take my baby or they're gonna send me to the hospital or or just that pressure of you don't believe in mental health like you don't believe in mental health disparities that's not your thing you think oh if I can pray it away or I can find other resources. Like that's a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. It is, and it doesn't surprise me that that's the response that moms give of trying to hold it together because we know in the community, the black woman most times is a staple of the family. She holds everything down. She takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense to only translate into yeah, I'm struggling inside, but to make sure everybody else is okay, to make sure that my baby stays home with me, to make sure that I don't, you know, lose my job or whatever the case, I'm just not going to say anything. Exactly. And the other part of that too, I remember when I was in undergrad, I had to do a paper. I can't remember what class I was in, but I had to do a paper and it was on postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. but with men. But the other part of that is that we don't talk of like, we think postpartum, oh, the woman is depressed after having the baby. Mm -hmm. But we think about on the flip side with men, they don't get the same nine months that the mom gets. Like the mom gets that nine months to grow the baby inside of her, connect, do all of that. They're with you for the nine months, but that's the most that they can do within that process. Exactly. Soon as that happens, the baby's born, now you're a dad immediately, whereas mom has already been mom. That's true. And so what have you guys seen or like what is... Yeah, so... When me and Tiffany first started and we went to that training in Chicago, um, they talked about it. And um, they talked about there are not many resources for men. Like, and when you Google those resources, there's a picture of a little white man there. There's not men that are different colors. So imagine being a, a man going to Google, like, you don't even know what to Google. Like one man, he was like, I didn't even know what to put in Google. I didn't even know who to reach out to. Like, who do I go see a therapist for this? And so they were talking about, first, when you look at men, you have to look at what it's like to have a partner that's going through um, postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, and you having to be that support for her. Yeah. And your support is not enough, or your support is not healthy, and you're taking on that self-blame. Then you have to also look at the, because it's a such thing as parental 
um, postpartum depression and that's what impacts men and there's been studies and research that men go through hormonal changes just like women wow. um, those first few months their t- testosterone levels drop I think I forgot the percentage but their testosterone levels can drop as well which can cause a shift in their mood um, they can make them more aggressive more aggressive more irritable more mood changes and I think they don't think about that men kind of go through that same cycle and transition is women and especially going through that yourself and having to support someone who's going through that and then tying in those relationship issues so then on top of that you got new baby thrown into this whole new thing of trying to cope mm-hmm. um feeling discouraged especially if mom is breastfeeding and you just yeah. sitting there like how can i help how can i be um, right so yeah it's a lot and then it's a documentary on netflix called baby and they talk about how men and women's brains are wired different um, when babies are first born. And they highlight and talk about the brain structure, which is really good to understand being a new parent or even before you have kids. Um, so they really talk about that. That's really, I mean, I'm glad that there is information out there um, because that was years ago when I did yes. this. But for it still to be something that's talked about, something that people are putting resources into to be able to support mm-hmm. this population because I mean when it comes to parenting I think a lot of the times it's assumed that the one who's going to rear and do all of those things are the women so we associate all of the mental health related things to yeah. the and then the man doesn't they aren't afforded the same opportunity to it's very true right because I can imagine a man saying I have postpartum depression and somebody's like, like what you got going on <laughs> yes you didn't have a baby. Why? What's wrong with you? And so, how how much have y'all seen of like men actually coming and being a part? So that's something we're actually working on. Me and Tiffany. Tiffany thought of the idea, and I was just like, "That's a really good idea." Is we were gonna start a well, we're working on starting like a six week workshop. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things through the hospital that's like parent boot camp. But those are things like changing a diaper, putting bottles, fixing bottles. Let's talk about the mental health piece and the relationship piece of that and what it's going to look like when this baby get here and I'm screaming at you and I'm having rage and I don't want you near me. So we wanted to create, we're working on creating a workshop that's going to give the mom a piece, give dad a piece, um, and for them to understand, you may feel this. This is when you need to reach out for help. These are things you can do. Your relationship is going to change. There's going to be shifts. There's going to be times where the baby doesn't want you. Mm-hmm. And you not to take that personally, but in that immediate moment, baby wants mom. Or there may be things you can do to help out. So we want men to have a space where they can feel comfortable and talk to other men or talk to other caregivers and have that space to say, you know what, like, my girlfriend or my wife, like, she really got on my nerves today. And wow. this is like, you know, to have that space where they can say that because in our postpartum groups, we afford moms to say, today, I don't feel like being a mom. Like today, my baby cried from this time to this time and I really had to go sit in the bathroom and take a breather. My baby was okay. My baby was safe. And this is how I felt. Or saying, my sister gets on my nerves. She's not a help when she comes over. Or just being in your pregnancy and having that birth plan right. and planning it out with you and your partner um, and understanding that every birth doesn't look the same. Right. But yeah, I really think that um, men need more of a safe place to talk about that and they don't really have that. They don't. Um, it's not. And 
I think another thing, Tiana, is like caregivers. Um, a point that you said when you said um, men, it's like if they say they're feeling this, it's like you didn't have a baby. Right. But imagine being an adoptive parent and you're bringing home this new baby yes. and you're feeling these feelings mm-hmm. and you're feeling anxious. You're feeling depressed. You're feeling all these things and you've worked so hard to adopt this baby. Yes. Um, so uh, uh, suffering with infertility and bringing home this baby and you're feeling these same things like there's not a space for there's not many spaces for that or being a caregiver um yeah being a grandma and you're taking care of your this baby and feeling that it's a lot and i'm glad y'all are giving uh, parents permission to say how they really feel yes and that i love to do in sessions too and sometimes people will look at me like i'm crazy yes (laughs) they'll say something and i say okay Mm-hmm. how you really feel now yes what do you mean what what's the thought behind that thought that you didn't tell me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I'll say it and I'm like because it's okay to have feelings that don't always feel great or that's positive. very true the detrimental thing comes to when we try to store that for ourselves and keep that back because we think we're going to be judged or somebody's going to see us differently but in reality just being able to say that and get that out helps you stop thinking that thought because now you're tainted and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that y'all are giving those new moms and just moms in general the opportunity because you can have postpartum depression and not be a new mom. That's true. That's true. If you have one baby and now you have two. Exactly. You're trying to raise three or the people who have huge gaps in between children. And so that's, that's I'm, I'm glad that y'all are doing that work and it really makes me happy that y'all are creating that space for men too. Um, with everything with COVID. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's appropriate for us to address at this point in time with postpartum. How do you feel that it's affecting people now? What have you guys seen? Um, I think the biggest thing is feeling back like, so for the moms that's already had their babies, Mm -hmm. it's almost feeling like you're back within those first few weeks when you're kind of stuck in the house with the baby and you're trying to keep people out and you're just trying to get things going because a lot of women don't have a birth plan and that birth plan could look like okay when you come over take some trash out for me don't just sit here and look at the baby mm-hmm. take some trash out bring some meals over be a support um and for a lot of moms that have struggled with that being with COVID-19 you're kind of stuck back in the house feeling almost that is- isolation that you felt when you first had your baby right. or that anxiety raising like what if my baby catches it or what if I catch it? Like just thinking those thoughts and those thoughts ruminating Mm -hmm. Um, or even women who were um, scheduled to get fertility treatments and that's been cut off. So they can't get those treatments yet and being that close to that, you know, like that's disheartening. Like you almost feel like you're being robbed of this opportunity to be a parent. Um, So it's a lot of, or even women that aren't parents yet, like just feeling that anxiety of like all of this going on, you may have been preparing to want a child, but now this may put a barrier or just a downer on what your expectations are, or even being pregnant during this time. I know Sierra posted something um, the other day and she was like, imagine what it's like being pregnant during this time. You know, this is the first time we've seen this, like you're trying to protect yourself and your baby. and just like limiting your supports, like people that you count on, you can't go see them as readily as you no, want. No, no. And I mean, people can like drop meals off and do some of those things, but even traditionally when 
people have new babies and one thing that I've started to be like really mindful of is when somebody is having a baby that I'm not just celebrating the baby like I'm celebrating very true the mom and if I'm buying the baby a gift I'm gonna buy you a gift too because yes you had the baby and the baby's here and we're all excited but I know you're going through a lot transitioning and a lot of the times the spotlight is taken off of the mom onto that new child and that is very isolating to feel that way and to know when people come over they want to see the baby exactly um a good friend of ours who's a doula um she was saying that you know having a doula you have that support in the um delivery room you have that support postpartum um and she was just saying like one of the things that really stood out to her was her sister brought her some pajamas from target when she had her baby yeah was like i didn't care about nothing else that day everybody came over and they were dropping off stuff for my baby so yeah. she was like my sister brought me a pair of pajamas from target and i loved it like i was so excited because she was like people didn't think about me and even being pregnant now during COVID 19 imagine yeah. being pregnant and people just asking is the baby okay the baby okay the baby okay right. and nobody asking how you're feeling because you're trapped in the house with this new baby yeah. or you're in the house with this partner who's abusing you yeah. like rates of domestic violence go up when you're pregnant i found that out in a training last week oh my like goodness. yes rates of domestic violence go up within your pregnancy in some relationships not all, not all. Not all. yeah that it goes up and imagine on top of rates going up when it's already an abusive relationship people think when you become pregnant the abuse stops it doesn't stop women are still being abused when they're pregnant but imagine being in COVID-19 and being with this abusive partner or being with this abusive person that you live with and you can't go like you said you don't have school you don't have work you can't go over to this person's house because we're quarantined basically we can only go for essential needs so you're really stuck dealing with this person that's abusing you um, during these times and that's a lot yeah and having partners because for some of the people that I know that just had babies the anxiety comes from their partner having to leave the house and come back. Yes. You still need groceries and essential items and you don't know who's at the grocery store and what's yeah. happening when they go out. And if, you know, regardless of how safe we are, everybody else is not at that same level of safe. And so there's so many factors I felt like were in play now with this COVID thing because we don't have the same life that we're used to. Exactly. And I think about some of some of those clients like imagine participating in therapy and you've been going to your therapy sessions and mm -hmm. now COVID-19 has came mm -hmm. and you can't do your teletherapy sessions because this person is in the home with you and they're yes, listening yes, and they want to hear yes. what you're talking about and, and let's say your sessions yeah like your sessions focus on this person being abusive or relationship issues or you just wanting to talk about or you just want to talk about I'm feeling anxiety during my pregnancy because those symptoms can come up in your pregnancy and this person being like so what was you talking about in there mm -hmm. or why are you getting therapy when you're pregnant or why are you engaging in this postpartum support group yeah. like imagine that feeling of now that's been taken from you or having to do it secretively yeah. it's a lot to deal with yeah and I'm glad you brought up the virtual um group that you just mentioned because that was another thing that I wanted to ask you is what resources are out there? Like, I know that you guys are doing um, everything within Raising Resilience, but outside yeah. of that, too, on top of 
what is out there for people to be able to utilize during this time? Yes, it's several resources. Um, we do our postpartum groups. Um, we have one on Saturdays, and then we have our one that we do every other Friday. Um, so postpartum international support, they're doing groups for NICU moms. Because imagine having a baby in the NICU. Yeah, I've seen it. time during COVID-19. That's a hard struggle that yeah. you're going through because you leave your baby every day. Right. Um, you don't take your baby home. Um, they're doing a lot of great things. Shades of Blue is another thing that caters especially to women of color. They're doing groups. They're doing IG Lives. Yeah. Um, the Motherhood Center of New York, they're doing so many things. Free workshops, postpartum groups, COVID-19 groups. They're doing so many great things for moms and families during this time so they can have that continued support. Mm -hmm. um, and also thinking about financial issues, a lot of moms or a lot of dads or caregivers, if your job has been impacted, that can impact your insurance. Mm -hmm. And so you could have had therapy all the way up to this point and now you're looking for pro bono services or yeah. something. So there's a lot of great free services out there um, right now. I know we're even working on being able to provide at least two or three moms or dads with at least maybe five sessions during this time because you may be going through a financial stressor and not having any insurance, but you right. still need mental health help. So just thinking of it in that aspect, um, I will say that's one of the good things that has came out of COVID-19 the accessibility for not only clinicians like us for trainings and webinars but for clients right. and for people who never thought about their mental health now they're starting to really look at it and see it can be virtual it can be teletherapy yeah. a learning experience for both of us yeah isolation will show you some things it really will yeah so i'm, I'm glad will. that there are a lot of, I, that made me happy because we know mental health is not always the first thing that they throw out there for people it's not Exactly. So, I'm exactly. so happy about that. But that brings us to the point of the show where I like to call Let's Advocate. So yes. if you were to change anything about the state of mental health within our culture, black and brown people, what would that be? Um, I would say accessibility. Okay. Because I feel like even though I know you and you're in the Raleigh-Durham area and we know other people from our grad program, I still feel like mental health is not often... And I'm not, and I'm, I'm not being devil, devil's advocate here. But until certain celebrities really put mental health on the foreground, I feel like people don't really care about it. Like it's just us working in the trenches, yeah, advocating and push it. Mm -hmm. But Charlemagne put it out there, and there everybody's like on this bandwagon. But for us working in it, it's not a bandwagon. It's what we do every day. You know, like it's our world. So I just wish it was more accessible. And it wasn't so, um, wasn't so looked at as it's a problem versus looking at it as you're getting help, you're doing something for yourself. I think a lot of times it takes that one person to speak up and be like, hey, I go to therapy and I just go because I need someone to talk to. Like, I don't have to have a severe mental diagnosis to just go and talk to someone who's non-biased. I just wish it was more accessible to where you didn't have to be connected to somebody or know somebody in that world to really be comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think especially for the older generations, like I had to get my mom on board to understand mental health mm -hmm. and understand what it looks like and to understand that it's okay. Like, and I hate the term crazy, mm -hmm. but I really wish like more accessibility, 
more black male clinicians. Yeah. Um, and there are quite a few out there. There so, are. So like and with my therapist, because it's hard sometimes to be in therapy as a therapist, I will say that. So a lot of the times we'll have like professional development conversations too. Yes. And one of the things that I talked to her about was like, I want to network. I want to have like support groups for clinicians of color and for us to just get together sometimes and not necessarily have to talk about therapy or anything like that because there is a lot more of us out here yes. than people realize. Like it's not a sprinkle of black and brown people doing this work. It's a lot of us. We just aren't as connected to each other as we should be. I agree. I think in a lot of times it's like a competition at times. Yeah. You know, um, and for us it's like it's already less of us than them so it's like we have to fight so hard to specialize our niche and what we do but I definitely agree with you like I wish it was more ways and I think we're making progress in the area of us together and building that network of us but I think we still have a long way to go as well we definitely do yeah I, I agree wholeheartedly with all of that um I'm glad to see a lot more people though out on the forefront that aren't celebrity that are doing it like with me being on Instagram and networking with different people like I'm seeing a lot more of us and it just makes me happy because I'm like yes I agree. I'm a therapist and I love working with all people but it is a very special place in my heart when I get like little kids of color and it's like yes to see somebody that looks like them and that's so important to people and families and not to make it racial or anything like that, but we know representation matters. We know people are more likely to speak to someone that they feel like can identify with them in their experiences. And so I agree. And understanding that if you choose a therapist of color and y'all not rocking with each other, it's okay to move okay. on to the next to one. Another one. It's okay. Like it's so okay. Yeah. I went through two before I got to the one I'm at exactly. now. Exactly. It you just have to find who works with for you who you vibe with who's not judgmental they're good at what they do they get you to where you need to be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all that it is but I want you to be able to plug all the great stuff that Raising Resilience is doing and give people information about the resources you guys are providing okay um so um April 24th we are having um our postpartum groups that we do every other week um, we're going to have a pelvic floor therapist, actually. Um, she's cool. wonderful. Um, she's great. I love the work she's doing for women of color and making that a resource mm -hmm. here for the women to understand your body and sexual things after birth and that pelvic floor and that core and working out, all of that stuff. So we'll have that Friday um, from 10 to 1130. Mm -hmm. um, and those groups are always on that time. Um, currently, we're doing a giveaway for new moms on our page um, where all you have to do is post a picture of yourself if you're a new mom or if you're a mom of a toddler, any mom. We want them to post a picture, talk about your strength and resiliency. Um, you can post someone in your family, cousin, sister, anybody that's a mom to you. Post that, tag us, Raising Resilience. Um, and you can enter our giveaway. We have a new mom like um, giveaway package and we have some other great things. Okay. Um, our IG is raising dot resilience. Our website is we are raising resilience. 
Um, and we have some big things coming for moms with those workshops, mm-hmm. um, doing more community events, self-care events. Um, we're working on another big self-care event possibly mm-hmm. over the summer, depending on COVID-19. Yes. Depending on. If we're going to be outside <laughs> or not. So, um, this, those things, and we're going to just continue to have things. A good way to keep up with us is on Instagram. We post everything there, groups, um, events we're having. So all of that great stuff. Yeah, and I'll be sure to include like all your handles and tags and stuff in the show notes so that people can go through and see. Okay. Um, and when I post your stuff on Instagram, I'll post that as well so people okay. can connect with you guys and find you guys. Thank you. Um, and I really appreciate you for coming on and sharing with the people what we're doing out here. And y'all are yes. doing work. I was so happy to see y'all enter into that realm. I work with kids. I, I don't ever think that I thought about the maternal health part. But Tiana, that also, we we do school-based therapy. Yeah. So a lot of times when I'm doing those assessments for those parents in the school, mm-hmm. I ask the parents, how was your birth? Like, how was your birth experience? How was how was it when you had this child? Because a lot of those things, those moms come out and tell me, oh, it was horrible during my pregnancy. I witnessed domestic violence yeah. or... I was depressed my entire pregnancy or I had a traumatic birth and the doctor didn't listen. And then I have this child showing all of these symptoms. Yeah. All of those puzzle pieces together, not just looking at those child's behaviors, but seeing how postpartum depression can impact the child's behavior and their temperament and their mood. Yeah, and I I say that I don't think about it, and I don't know why I say this all the time, but I work with kids, which means I work with their parents. So I'll I'll say, like, oh, I don't know that I would want to do adult therapy. And I'm like, you literally do it every single day. You do. I do, because a lot of working with children is working with their parents, because, yes, you can teach them everything, but the person they go home with is the person who brought them here. So Exactly. You have to be able to progress those behaviors or regress them. Okay. And you know that where this kid can be awesome in school, or awesome at home but you see those behaviors flip-flop depending on who they're with or who they're interacting with so it's a big piece it definitely is but i definitely appreciate you keep doing all the good work that y'all are doing um yeah i just appreciate it and as always guys thank you for tuning in to the cult for the culture podcast i'm your host tiana renee and i'm out this thing bye y'all bye thank you tiana thank you